Welcome to D4 Sports, Day Drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome everybody to D4 Sports, episode 12. Episode 12. Here we are, October the 17th, 2023. Uh, a beautiful Tuesday late afternoon here in London. And uh, how's the weather in, in Lubbock, Dustin? For Texas, it's kind of chilly. Uh, when I woke up this morning, it was about 46. Uh, it's supposed to be a high of 82. I mean, that's a drastic change in temperature. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's starting to get fall weather, which fall is my favorite season because uh, it's football season and it's on the verge of basketball season. So that whole whole uh, cold weather, let's get indoors. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good. It's been it's cooled down here quite a bit this week too. We actually got down into the thirty degrees, or as they would say over here, eight, you know, or <laughs> or something in Celsius. Right. I'm still right. still working on that, but uh, yeah, it was fairly chilly. But uh, yeah, no, nice, but uh, nice and sunny right now. So that's pretty good. Uh, and, what are you drinking? And sitting here, I know, I, I know that you know our listeners aren't able to see what's going on, but I am. Uh, your background looks uh, looks nice. You liking the new new area that you're at? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We we moved over the weekend, so uh, to a new flat. That would be an apartment for those of you listening in the U.S. Um, over in East East London, uh, out of Central London, a little ways out. Um, yeah, no, good. Liking it so far. Got a great view of the river. Uh, a little little balcony now, something we didn't have in our first place, and uh, it's already been uh, well utilized. So looking looking forward to that. Balcony is good to have when it gets cold. Oh, perfect, perfect timing for it. You know, I figured you know the next five six months going to be nice nice chilly weather. Why not sit outside? <laughs> just just no robe only, please. That's all I'm asking. Oh yeah. No, well, man, I tell you, you know, living in London. Living in a flat right in central London, we were in a in a complex. Was you know had a view of probably I don't know forty windows, and uh, we had one guy who lived across from us. We just called him Naked Man, um, <laughs> and all. I won't go any further into the details on that, but uh, let's just say I don't think you need to. I, that's pretty self-explanatory. He was not shy and uh, worked from home, and sometimes just didn't wear much. That's the bottom line. But. Well, the standing right go. in the window drinking your coffee, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't Leaves do it. I, little to the imagination. Very little to the imagination. But uh, anyway, I was going to ask earlier, but I'll ask again. You know, what are you drinking today, Dustin? Uh, do you, day drinking with Donna I'm, Dustin? What are you consuming this fine day? I'm drinking coffee. Coffee. Good call. Yep. Good call. No cream, no sugar, just coffee. Just coffee. So now let me ask, are you, you know, you're 40 now. So, uh, I, I, have you got time restrictions on your coffee intake? Does caffeine start keeping you up at night or what? No, caffeine puts me to sleep. Okay. That's so a new one. It, well, it does. I mean, in college, I remember needing to study for a test. So I drank two Red Bulls. I just pounded them. Boom, boom. Ready to go. I was sound asleep 10 minutes later. <laughs> well, I have never I, had I mean, an energy drink, but, uh. Yeah. Coffee does it, not it, do that to me. Yeah, it puts me to sleep, um, but now I won't say it like puts me out, but it doesn't like really wake me up. I can have coffee at nine o'clock at night and be able to go to sleep. Yeah. 
So. I, you know, I used to be that guy, but I don't know, 10, 10 years ago or so, I, I started coffee after about 4 p.m. Uh, Not a I'm good laying thing. in bed. I'm laying in bed, and my mind doesn't shut off. So, yeah. You just get the jitters. <laughs> I, yep, Kramer and, it. Uh, so I, I, I do that, yeah. So I, well, I figured, you know, I ended my work day here. I decided to pour a little uh, Johnny Walker Red Label. So we got a little, uh, little bit of that to sip on during the show today. Um, no tequila this time, you know, probably safer. That's good. To, to That's avoid good. the tequila. But uh, we'll I remember the first time I had Johnny Walker, who was with you, well. and, and it was pregame. So it was at Parents' oh. Day at Missouri <laughs> uh, State. That for was Claire and Alley. Yeah, and that first taste of Johnny Walker was it what was it nine o'clock in the morning? That was a bad idea. It, well, it was. Oh, but so good. <laughs> I, I just gotta say and I love, you know, you watch all the movies, right? And guys get up after a, a hard night and they walk up and the first thing they do is like pounds whiskey. And I actually I did this once and it was a weekend. I wasn't going to work or anything, but I had I had uh, I don't know if I hadn't finished it from the night before or something, but I woke up and I and I, I was like, oh, there's a little bit in the glass. I was like, and I and I mean it wasn't even, I mean it was a swallow, but I was like, that's the worst idea in the world. <laughs> Who would do that? I, uh, yeah. So let me just say, if any of our listeners, if you're shooting whiskey in the morning, no judgment. This is day drinking with Don and Dustin, but you know. I'm just going to say, maybe not. Maybe not there, but, you know. Maybe you could go with the Kahlua in your coffee versus just the straight, you know, whiskey, whatever. sure. little Irish cream in the coffee, you know. Ease into it. Ease into it. That's probably... There you go. It's a good start. That's a good start. Speaking of good starts, you're off to a good start in our fantasy football competition. Getting stronger each week, it appears. Well, I just got to keep going because the past few years I've had the lead going into, I don't know, three weeks left to go. And uh, you have come out real strong on the latter end. So I've got to really make sure I've got somewhat of a lead to, to even get uh, a hope of winning. Yeah. I mean, that, that has been the case. And we'll, we'll see you again because you're up right now. Our running total uh, you're up 27 to 19 to two. So you're up eight after uh, winning four to three this week. We both of us, we've been playing a super flex game, a new, a new one this year. And both of us forgot to do the super flex this week. So we just called it, uh, called it a wash. But, uh, and uh, did you have any decent winnings this week? I didn't win much. I, uh, after my $300 first place last week, n- nothing, no real upside this week for me. Uh, maybe eight. Nothing, nothing big, but I'm not putting in anything big. So my expectations yeah. aren't to just come out with, you know, $300 right. on a $1 win like yeah. some. Right. Yeah. So anyway, well, and, and I think the bigger thing is that you had a, you beat me by three in the pick this week, which puts you up six. And that, that's a lot. That's uh, that is a lot I'm gonna, because, well, I'm gonna have- like we've mentioned at the end of all of this, the winner of pick gets an additional Five-point bonus. Yeah, yeah, that's big. So, and uh, and six games is a lot to make up. I know we're only in coming into what week week seven, but I'm gonna have to. I mean, that, I've got to I've got to win basically win every week by at least one going forward to to, to claw that back. So we'll see. Um, and uh, the Nichols Bowl, which you christened it 
last weekend. Um, well, we all know how that came out, don't we? When is expected, to be honest. Yeah, well, uh, look, if you hadn't gone on record and said, oh, it's the Nichols Bowl, I would have taken the Raiders. Because <laughs> as much as I'm a Patriots fan, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, I'm telling you, I'm looking at their schedule and I'm like, okay, they're playing the Giants, although suddenly the Giants play the Bills tough. And and we're playing, uh, I think we got a game against the Commanders, which is probably winnable, and the Broncos. And other than that, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll rise up for one of the division games against the Jets, but I don't see us beating Buffalo. I don't see us beating Miami. I mean, even if even if our defense plays through the roof, we're not going to hold Miami to under 15 points, and that's basically what New England's got to do to win a game at this point. So, all right, I'm gonna, enough of the rant. It was bad. Congratulations to my brother, Stuart. You and Stuart now tied for first in the family pick'em game. He took the Raiders, and uh, as a result, we may actually uh, have him on the on the show here. He did well, he did and I, I think that would be I think that would be a great idea. Um, I would also be interested because you two. I mean, you grew up together. I know he's a little bit older, um, yeah. but growing up in the same household, being Raiders fans. He yeah. has stayed true to that, and yeah, you've yeah. kind of gone a different direction. I, so I would be interested to hear it. his story and <laughs> and figure out how he held on for so long. You know he's just going to call me names, right? That's what he's going to do. He's just going to get on. He's going to tell stories about how he used to beat me up as a kid. That's all it's going to be. See, I don't know that because surprisingly in our group chats, he's been actually very reserved. I don't know if he's waiting to pounce but he, uh, I mean, he's been complimentary of people. He's just been kind of like, let's wait and see. So he's well, it would be interesting up. to have him on. He's softening up in his old age. But, uh, yeah, he's six years older than me. But, and, uh, I, I, you know, yeah, I won't, I won't say anything more. We'll try to get him on the show. He's out in Phoenix so an hour earlier than you, and we'll have to coordinate that. But uh, we'll work on that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to definitely be lining up some more guests. Uh, so for those listeners who are thinking, okay, I'm getting tired of listening to you two, we're going we're gonna to work to bring some more people in here. Uh, all right, let's kick it off. Opening shots. You got an opening shot for me, Dustin? I do have an opening shot, and, and it's going to be a pretty quick one. Um, I'm going to go to football. I know we talk about football quite a bit, but um, I'm going to go to the Colts. And Jim Irsay, the owner, who he's he's been one that likes to be in the limelight for some pretty crazy reasons. Um, but I think today has gone on record and said that they are going to shut Richardson down or could potentially shut Richardson down for the year. That's big. Whoa. That is really big due to the fact that he, when he has played, he has played very well. Yeah. Um, we, we've even talked a little bit about how rookie quarterbacks typically struggle a lot their first year, maybe even into their second year. Um, and yep. there have been some great rookie play this year with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. But I think Richardson yep. has actually played better than the other two overall. But with, with injury, um, it could, you know, if they shut him down, that, that could be tough, although I am a big fan, and you are as well, <clears throat> of Gardner Minshew. Love Great Minshew. name, uh, great backup quarterback to have 
um, in their back pocket. So just and he's just a character. Minshew. He is. Oh man, there was a great story done on Minshew on ESPN at the end of the summer before the season, uh, and I'd encourage anybody to try to go find it. It's it's the dude's awesome. Minshew's just a great guy, but. And I think with his personality and then his college coach's personality, Mike Leach, the those pirate. two, the pirate, those two, that that must have been a fun, uh, a oh. fun room <laughs> to be no in. No doubt, no doubt. I, I would go back and I would say uh, C.J. Stroud, I think, has really come on in the last several weeks and is playing really well with with a, a limited roster. I mean, we talked about Houston early in the season. And I think, you know, something we'll, get, we'll talk NFL later, but I think Houston's been one of the big surprises. I, Anthony Richardson has played well, but, I, you know, he just – he's taken too many hits. I mean, he you know, and, and it's – he's doing the RG3 thing, right? I mean, he's, he's making the plays, but it's like get on the ground. Have you – if I'm a young quarterback, even if I'm a runner and my natural instinct is to run and be physical and athletic, if you haven't learned enough by watching how many quarterbacks have been knocked out of their career – because they don't slide. Anthony Richardson, get on the ground, man. I, I, that's the only thing I would yeah. I mean, crazy. I, and I know we have a small sample size, but at the yeah. same time, I feel like he's done well, especially for a rookie, oh, yeah. without yeah. having a, a huge offense as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. let's let's be I, honest. I, their offense is, is pretty limited as well. I mean, I know they got Taylor back, and we can talk football all day long, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like think, he's done well when he's been in. Yeah, I, I think Stroud is showing more signs of being the actual NFL pocket passer quarterback uh, more than Richardson has. I think Richardson's been more the dual threat, which, hey, that's totally viable in today's game. Uh, but I think Stroud has been surprising to me that I think he's showing a lot more poise in the pocket than I think a lot of people thought he would. But, all right. that's a, Now, I hadn't heard about the, uh, the Ursay threat, so that's an interesting one. Um, okay, here's my opening shot. And it's NFL also. But I'm calling this the Sean Payton theory. So Sean Payton is on record saying that he thinks Caleb Williams is a generational talent. Said this before before he became the coach of the Broncos last year, was saying that, because he was an analyst, right? Um, I don't know for which network, but was saying that he thinks Caleb Williams is a generational talent. And he even said that he thinks teams would tank to get him then sean payton gets hired by the denver broncos who of course made the massive trade for russell wilson last year that obviously didn't work out that sean payton comes in and says worst coaching job he's ever seen right i mean breaks ranks with the coaching fraternity says basically the coaching problem what does that what does that do well that positions him as someone of who of course well if he thinks it's a coaching problem, then fundamentally he's going to be the guy to come in and fix it. So he would never tank, right? I'm and yet, think. we have the Broncos playing terrible football. And what if, what if Sean Payton was brought in to give credibility to a tank? I, and and, I and here's my anatomy. Here's my analogy. I lived in St. Louis when the Rams were taken out, right? When the whole Cronky thing went, that's another story altogether. But the Rams had brought in Jeff Fisher, right? Who 
is the ultimate. He's tied for the most losses in the NFL history by a, by a head coach, and I think his record is right at five hundred. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Mister Average. Mister Average, but he's a stable coach. He's a seasoned coach. He knows how to take flack, and and as soon as as soon as they take him, they take the Rams from St. Louis to L.A. Fisher stays one more year, and then Kroenke opens up the purse. He starts bringing in, he trades for Stafford, he brings in McVay, they get golf, they make all the moves, and all of a sudden the Rams become a great team. And I think there's an awful lot of people in St. Louis, probably mostly St. Louis, who think the Rams brought in Jeff Fisher to do nothing but manage the team with a veteran, stable hand for a few years to get him out of St. Louis and into Los Angeles, but not to win, not to win. And I mean, I'm not I'm not going all the way to full conspiracy theory here. But what if they brought in Sean Payton to give credibility to another season that they knew was not going to be good, so that they could get the guy that he has said is a generational talent? Do you think that he does this without the <clears throat> players realizing or understanding what he's doing? Because I don't see Russell Wilson being a guy that would go along with this. One, he's the quarterback. And two, his personality is go out there and win. Now, he hasn't done that in Denver. Right. But I don't see him being willing to take a back seat one to Caleb Williams and two to losing games just to hopefully get somebody in there that could take the team somewhere. Yeah, no. And I don't think it's like a system wide, you know, like, like, I mean, how can you possibly tell the future hall of fame, most likely quarterback that we're going to intentionally lose, but Sean Payton's calling the plays. Sean's Payton's putting in the offense. Sean Payton's prepping the team each week. Right. Or, or not prepping the team, as the case may be, right? I don't know. I, I, and, and, and I mean, I, I know that's a little off the rails, but I, I'm, it's, I, it's striking to me that you have this confluence of things that if, if Denver wanted to – if they came in through the year and basically like, look, Russell Wilson is not the guy we thought we were getting, right? What are we going to do? Because you know how hard it is to get a quarterback. I don't know. Well, that's real my D4, quick, that's, that's my D four conspiracy theory. There you go. Let's let's look at this real quick, and we can look at that over the course of this season. But yep. teams that are one in five or worse: Chicago, yep, Giants, yep, Patriots, yep, Cardinals, yep, Broncos, yep, Panthers. Yeah. Now the Panthers are the worst team, but they have their quarterback, and I know they haven't won a game. But Bryce Thank Young has played well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Denver, question marks. Arizona, I'm okay with getting rid of Kyler Murray. Um, New England. <laughs> you need a quarterback, right? Come on, right? Caleb. Come on, Caleb. Giants, are you really going to lean on Daniel Jones for the future? And then, and then Bears, are you going to lean on Justin Fields? Okay, Fields, the Bears could easily say, okay, we can move on from him. The, the Giants just gave Daniel Jones a massive contract. I mean, that's going to be a tough one. Nobody's going to take yeah. him for that contract. So, right. I don't know. Well, let's just see how this plays out over the year and see where Denver yeah. ends up and how that looks. Yeah. I got one other opening shot, and that is uh, 
and this is this is a week old. I was going to do it last week. We didn't get it, a chance to do it. But did you see Craig Kimbrell for the Phillies do the intentional balk? Intentional balk. They were winning by, I think, three runs. It's the ninth inning. He's the closer. There's two outs. They got a runner at second. Kimbrell, Cubs set, and then just drops the ball behind him. Just just drops the ball on the ground. And the refs call a balk, and they move him to third. And he obviously did it on purpose. I mean, this is not like he didn't scramble to try to catch it. He intentionally balked to put the runner on third, most likely so that there was no way for the runner at second to steal signal from the catcher. That's the not a terrible idea. No, it's not. It's actually a pretty clever play. But I'm just going to say, I don't think I've ever seen an intentional balk before. Nice. I don't know. Chess or checkers, what are you playing? Yeah, well, hey, the Phillies are still in it, so maybe, maybe it is. Maybe they're, maybe they are, you know, playing, playing chess. And Craig Kimbrell, I was going to say Craig Kimbrell's the queen, but I probably, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go there. I mean, that's an opening shot right across the bow. <laughs> it is. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up our opening shot segment here on episode 12 of D4 Sports. NFL pretty deep on our opening shots, Dustin, but let's let's keep it there uh, right here for this segment. Let's, let's take a deeper dive into the NFL headline for the week, unquestionably. The two undefeateds lost. So the Miami Dolphins popped the cork on the champagne. The 72 Dolphins remaining the only undefeated team. And uh, they looked like they had been drinking a lot of champagne before they took the picture that they posted. But laying that aside, that's the headline. But so give me your thoughts on that and then uh, take us a little deeper into week six of the NFL season. And like you said, the big thing for this week was the two teams that lost who were undefeated. So first, I mean, looking at the Niners versus the Browns, Mm -hmm. the Niners are really good team. Browns defensively are a really good team. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at what happened to the Niners. Now Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in football, Debo Samuel, arguably the best Swiss Army knife in football and mm-hmm. being a running back, wide receiver, however that looks for you. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them get hurt, and that's that's going to hurt an offense for sure. But Brock Purdy did not look like he was making great decisions. Um, mm-hmm. He looked like he um, just reverted back to rookie quarterback. And like I said, decision-making. Yeah. But but let's the Browns got to give them credit defensively. They were – they're really good. Yeah, Re- really good defense. And, and uh, the other injury is Trent Williams. Their left, their left tackle also got hurt early in the game. And so, uh, you know, I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, Purdy, you lose your two, your two top offensive weapons. I mean, you could make a debate between Samuel and Ayuk, but you know, they're one A, one B in the receiving core, and you lose your left tackle. I mean, that's going to impact any quarterback. And you're facing maybe the best pass rush in the game. In that, and the Cleveland Browns. So you know, hey, and it's on the road. The weather wasn't great. There was a lot of lot of factors. But yeah, now boy, you know, I, I think I've said it a couple times already. Barring injury, the Niners 
looked like by far the best team, but hello injuries, right? I mean, part of the game. And we'll, we'll see going forward if this is just a one-off and a, a bump in the road or or if this was, uh, you know, maybe a symptomatic. And, and we'll see what they can do if, if those injuries from McCaffrey and Samuel last any length of time, right? And they had a chance to win it at the end with a missed field goal. Oh, yeah. They should have won the game, right? really. I mean, that so, was a field goal that he makes probably nine out of ten times. And then the narrative changes if he makes that field goal. Hey, mm-hmm. the good teams just find ways to uh, win. Really? You have the injuries. You, I mean, you could go many different ways with that, but ultimately missed the field goal, lost the game. Well, so let me ask you this. Good teams find ways to win. Is Cleveland then a good team? Uh, they have a good defense. Yeah. Well, so, and, yeah, and, mean, and you know that saying, defense wins championships, right? I mean, let's look at the Tampa yeah. Bay Bucks when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, that defense yeah. was was yeah. legit. Or the Ravens with Ray Lewis. That defense was yeah. legit. But you got to have you, – you still have to have a quarterback that can do something. And you still – I mean, they didn't have Deshaun Watson. Nick Chubb out for the season. Yeah, um, that's the big one. The Chubb injury so, is the big, big one, yeah. but It is. And I think going in, the Browns had an opportunity to win their division. And, I mean, they still might, but mm-hmm. right now it looks sketchy. But, yep. you know, what What was that for the Browns? I mean, was it just a fluke by the 49ers? Was, were the Browns going to become this defensive juggernaut that are gonna, that's going to take the team over the top? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. They have some, some games coming up. So the Browns play the Colts, winnable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seahawks, winnable. Mm-hmm. Cardinals, Ravens. Steelers, Broncos. There's potential yeah. for them to run off some some wins there. Yeah, I mean they definitely could. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the AFC North is that all of the intra division games are brutal. I mean, the Steelers they all hate each other because that's the one division that's probably been together and has those historic rivalries. You know, the Steelers, Browns, Browns, Bengals. Uh, and then the, the Ravens have always just been a super aggressive and physical team, even though they've only been around, I guess it's probably almost 30 years now. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the Ravens, Steelers, I mean, they just, they really bludgeon each other. So I, I tend to think those divisional games can kind of go either way. But, um, yeah, I was, I was going to say one of the interesting narratives in the, uh, in the NFL is sort of the uh, <clears throat> north, south, and east, west uh uh, the, the way it's falling out. And I basically say you'd rather be East West than North South right now um, in, in general, because you know, your top teams are there, but, but I will say uh, by the same token, the, the AFC North is maybe the exception there. And uh, as we mentioned, the Texans are a surprising team. The Colts are, I think a little surprising. They're still three and three, but I think playing better than certainly we expected. Um, and then, then I think a lot of people had expected from them. Um, NFC North, ooh, I mean, you get the Lions and, well, yeah. That's I, it. Yeah, that's it right now because I don't know I don't know what the Vikings are going to do, especially without Justin Jefferson. The Packers look about like I expected the Packers to look, you know, pretty hit and miss. Jordan Love, I won't even, I won't even you know, take the shot this week. But I'll, I'll take it. Game. I'll take it. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't, and then ooh. the Bears. And then we're not going to talk about the Bears anymore. But uh, and the NFC South, you know, spinning out again a lot like we thought. Panthers at the bottom, Falcons and Saints, 
kind of, sort of, and the Buccaneers, top of a very small heap, right? Very small. Yeah. All right, so so give me give me your most impressive uh, story of the week. Uh, what, what's your six weeks in? What what are you thinking? Like, what are you most impressed with, or team that you're like, you know, you're really digging right now? Uh, to be completely honest with you, the team that I'm digging right now, the Detroit Lions. And I know that at the beginning of this year, we said, hey, that's going to be a team that could potentially have a turnaround and be really good. And, and like you said, they're, they're in a division in the NFC North with Green Bay and Minnesota and Chicago. But still, they're 5-1. and one. They came out the first game of the NFL season and beat the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. On the road. Um, on the road. And they're fun to watch. I mean, Goff has played well. Um, you got St. Brown, Laporta, uh, Montgomery got hurt. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect their run game to see how Jameer Gibbs can come in. And although he's your change of pace guy, what can he do if he's going to be the, the main guy for a game or two? Well, or but he's longer? injured too. So we'll see if, see if he's back. Oh, right? okay. So, yeah. 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 But, but the lions, they've, they're five and one and I'm just moving forward. What, what can they do? Are they going to, really surprise people or are they gonna just revert back to what they've been in the past but their coach dan campbell is is fun to watch too because you can tell he is very invested in the game he's got a chip on his shoulder and he is he's in it all the way so i think the lions for me are the the surprise and the the team that i'm enjoying watching well and i think what's really surprising about them is how they're winning because I think at the end of last year, when they went on, you know, they went on a great streak at the end of the season, just missing the playoffs. But they were winning with Jared Goff slinging the ball around, primarily to Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think anybody thought this year, if they're going to win, it's going to be they're going to win shootouts. They're going to keep slinging it around the field, and they're winning with defense and running the ball. And and yeah, Goff is throwing the ball, and they're having they've still got a good passing game. But I mean. What's most impressive to me, they beat Kansas City by one point on opening night in Kansas City when they get their rings, all that, right? They lose a shootout to Seattle in overtime, okay. But then they win 20-6 to against Atlanta, 14-point victory, 34-20, to a 14-point victory on the road in Green Bay, 42-24 to in an 18-point victory at home against Carolina, and 20-6, to a 14-point victory on the road in Tampa. They are they are by far the most convincing wins, I think, of pretty much any team um, so far. And and I, it's not even just that they're winning, it's how they're winning that I think is really impressive to me. And I, I think it's repeatable football. I think, you know, it's not relying on your quarterback to throw 400 yards a game or, or that sort of thing. So, yeah, they're looking – I'm loving the Lions. I'm with you. I'll, I'm going to give you that. Okay, so, so real quick, listen to their next nine games. Okay. Mm-hmm. They've got the Ravens. That's going to be a tough game. I mean, the Ravens are tough. They run the ball. Lamar Jackson, He's you don't know what he's going to do, right? Yeah. But then yeah. after that, they've got the Raiders, the Chargers, Bears, Packers, Saints, oh. Bears, Broncos, Vikings. Wow. Wow. So out of the next nine <laughs> games, they could go 8-1 and one or 9-0. and oh. Possibility, right? 
I mean, yeah. that's... Oh, well, and, even and then six and three. I mean, it puts them yeah. at, what, 11 and, 11 and whatever, 11 and four, 11 and five, and they're in... Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and then the last two games, Cowboys-Vikings. So, really, over the ne- like the regular season, I would yeah. say the Ravens and the Cowboys, those two games are their yeah. toughest opponents. Yeah. No, agreed. Interesting. Lions, man. So, wow. so who's the team that you've kind of been... Okay, I'm enjoying watching them and and seeing how well they're doing or surprising you. Uh, boy, it's hard to say. Um, oh well, because there's so many teams that are just right at 500. I think teams that have been surprisingly surprising to the upside. Uh, again, I think the Colts and Texans both have been surprising to the upside, but I wouldn't say I'm enjoying watching them uh, because they're kind of winning ugly, frankly, for the most part. Um, Boy, I, I go to the Falcons and the Saints, and both of them are kind of, eh. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, goodness, I, I. It's hard. It's hard to put put. A, I, I, I mean, it's almost too easy. But I'm gonna go with the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars have have finally found their game, and are playing really solid football. Really uh, complete offensive team. I think their defense is is surprising, um, and it's. In its improvement, and I, I think the Jaguars. But see, but then they come back, and I'm like, well, yeah, but everybody expected the Jaguars, right? So I can't really say it's surprising, but it's a, a team I'm liking to watch, um, and that I think uh, is is interesting. Well, I, you know, but then you, I mean, let's face it, the Dolphins right now are the the team to watch. If you're going to watch one game each week, and you want it just exciting football, I mean, it's a freaking track meet every single week. But, but I mean, it's incredible. The, the yardage, the points, the innovation, and just the raw speed is just really impressive to watch. And, right. Uh, yeah. And I agree with you on that. I mean, and and coming into the season, it was like, okay, they're going to put up some points. Let's let's see what they can do. Um. So it but, it's been fun to watch them. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's expected at this point, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're on pace to potentially be the best offense in the history of the NFL. Right uh, now. I mean, you know, they're, they're up against some stiff competition, the greatest show on turf, you know, the Broncos with Peyton Manning when, when, you know, when they went, went nuts, um, you know, some of those, was that like Demarius tremendous. Thomas? Yeah. Demarius Thomas, Welker, yeah. um, when Welker, he threw, right. what, 50, 51, 52 touchdown passes. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, they've got to keep it up. Um, they can't have, you know, because all of those teams basically never had a down game pretty much all, all year. And, I, I mean, look, you could, I could see the Dolphins not having a down offensive game. Uh, it's just a question of whether defense hold up all the time. But, uh, yeah, no. They're, they're and injuries. Like, I mean, well, Tua, right. you just yeah. don't know. But, but being healthy, he's done really well. Yeah, he has. Well, and he's getting rid of the ball so fast, I don't know how he's going to get hurt. <laughs> because right. no nobody's getting their hands on him, right? Hey, if you're going to learn something from injury, it's like, hey, what can I do to not get hurt right. again? Don't hold the ball, right? Don't hold. And that actually brings me to, um, oh, what game was I watching? Oh, it was the the Tennessee Titans game, and uh, where, where they were playing the Ravens, the early game in, in here in London, and uh, Tannehill got hurt, and so they brought in Malik Willis, right? There, is that I think that's the name, right? Their backup quarterback who's yes. in his second or third year now, and he's kind of had his shots, and he's never been all that impressive. I am telling you what, the end of that game, 
They drive down with a chance to score a touchdown and win the game. I have never seen a quarterback just stand there and hold the ball, play after play after play, and get sacked and sacked. And it's like, for goodness sakes, throw the ball. I, I It was... I, I, I don't even... He get back there, and it's like, how many times in a row are you going to stand there, look for something, not see it, and pull the ball down and get sacked, and and not just get rid of the ball? It, it was that was mind blowing. It was that was some of the all, all all due respect to Justin Fields and as bad as he's looked at points, that was the worst quarterback play. I, I mean, he just had no business being on the field. I, I have and I'm not the biggest terrible. knowledgeable football wise guy. But at some point, you got to let your receiver make a play. Give your receiver you an opportunity to go high point it or get open um, based off of where the ball's going, or or you know utilize the speed to get to a ball that you've thrown. Yeah. Some something, or, or even just throw the ball away. I mean, you. you I, I just well that it was, too. It was incredible. It was terrible, incredible. I see. I think unfortunately, come after this week, it's a lot easier for me to say the teams I'm disappointed in than the teams that I'm impressed with. And, and right. frankly, interestingly, I saw that this was the lowest scoring week in the NFL. I think the average, I think there was only like 18 points scored per team, like average, the average score per team, which is the lowest it's been in any week in the NFL since 2004. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, frankly, this was not a great weekend of football, to be to be frank. I think teams just didn't play that well. But I... I think leading my list of disappointing teams right now has got to be the Chargers. Um, too much talent to just not win. And I know I there's going to be coaching change if they don't figure it out. Because And I, the name of their head coach is escaping me now. But, um, I mean, too much, too much talent, too much, uh, too much ability. And that's been the M.O. of the Chargers you know, for the last several years. And it's just like, at some point, that's just got to change. Um, Brandon Staley. I, yeah, Staley, that's right. Yeah, and he's kind of been, you know, widely viewed to be on the hot seat anyway. But, um, yeah, certainly um, he's one of the most disappointing, uh, or the, the Chargers are. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, I'm a Patriots fan. I hoped that they would get close to 500 this year. Phew. It's that's not looking great. It's bad. It's bad, bad football right now. And uh, you know, and their next two games: Bills, yeah. Dolphins. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not good. I mean, they could be facing one and seven. Mm-hmm. One and one and seven. That's right. And I mean, Arizona, not much better. I mean, we're one and five yeah. as well. And nobody expected it was. We were expected to have a down year anyway. Yeah. Um, and it hadn't been pretty. I mean, we beat the Cowboys, but I think that was an overlooked game by the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I think they they were looking ahead to, who was it, San Francisco next, and then San Francisco took it to them. So the Cowboys lost two in a row. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think a disappointing team for me, to be honest, is Cincinnati. Um, yeah. The Bengals, yeah. have, and I know they've kind of come on a little bit stronger the past couple weeks, but I, I don't think, I mean, Joe Burrow is trying to figure out how can I get the ball out of my hand quickly too because of, you know, the offensive line not holding up the way he needs it to. 
But if he could get, I mean, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, who, you know, gets 20 targets a game, T. Higgins, who's a great receiver, Tyler Boyd, who is also a very good receiver, and he's your veteran of that group. I mean, they've got a squad, but they got to yeah. put it together. they got to give Joe Burrow time, or they've got to figure out how to get it in the hands of their, their playmakers quicker. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I agree. I'm looking at the upcoming week, and uh, Dolphins-Eagles, that's arguably the game, the game, maybe the game of the season so far, right? Um, that's the night game, the Sunday night game. That's a good one. And, uh, you know, as much as I'm down on the, on the Chargers, the Chargers and Chiefs uh, divisional game, they've played some great games the last couple of years. That could be a good one. And as you noted, Lions-Ravens, uh, I think those are probably our, the, the headline games for the week. But uh, Not the Packers-Broncos? <laughs> no, uh, well, and, and what was it? The uh, yeah, the uh, commanders and the giants. Commanders and, and giants. giants? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, divisional games, so maybe, but uh, that's that. I don't know if I'd go all the way to must see TV on that one. So right. All right. Any other any other uh, NFL thoughts before we close this section down? No, we've hit it pretty hard. Um, I think we've we've kind of gone over quite a bit. Um. I, I would be interested, to be honest. I know a lot of times we say Thursday night games are eh, but I think the Jaguars can really make a statement um, this week because they're playing the Saints, and I know the Saints are 3-3, three and three, um, but if the Jaguars come out on the road, play a solid game, and show that they're really moving in the right direction, I think that could say a lot for them moving forward. And, and, and help them solidify the NFC South. Or AFC South. Not not that they need a lot of help, but definitely right. could do it. Right. Yep. So no, that's uh, I'm I'm good with that. All right. On to week seven. On to week seven in the NFL. So the title of this week's episode Dustin reached deep into the thesaurus and came up with the alliterative D4 title down and dirty drink disdain down and dirty drink disdain did my best to go with the D4 yeah you brought it home it's not easy I mean there's not all that many although you know we've we found a few D4s but uh, that, that's a good one so uh, appreciate it so we're, we're, we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna talk about drinks that uh-uh Nope, not working. And if I can ever, ever help to not taste this again in my life, I will. So, uh, Dustin, I'm gonna. You came up with the uh, the alliteration. Give me the. Uh, give me one of your drinks full of disdain. One drink that uh, I I just I don't like. Um, can't do it. I've tried. Um, just the high life. I mean. Oh, Miller. really? Not Miller Lite. I, I've, I've done Miller Lite, but, man, I just, just Miller, it's not, to me, it's not Sh- good. Champagne of beers, man. Champagne of beers. Sure. Go with that. Um, when I when I would cook with beer or, or you know, some type of drink, uh, I'd, I'd usually open it, take a sip, and then pour it in kind of thing. And, yeah, that's one I've used before, and I wouldn't even... Uh, continue See, to drink that. Yeah. This is kind of wild because, like, when when 
when we were really poor and we've had our moments, we've all, hey, look, we all have moments when the, you know, both ends don't balance very well. And if, and when, when we were really poor and I've still wanted a beer, champagne of beers, baby, living the high life. That's what I, that was my go-to. So I, I'm mildly, I'm mildly offended here. Well, and you, maybe you should be. Um, I think that and, and like Natty Light or something, those, those are tough. But, as you know, college kids or, Come on. you know, that's, that's You can't the direction put Miller and Natty in the same category. I can because <laughs> I don't like either one. And I've got my uh, taste buds. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, fair enough. But, but yeah, that's those two. And not that my taste is any better than anybody else's, but I just, those two I don't like at all, at all. Um, yeah. So, but that's okay uh, to each their own. Yeah, see if if I'm you know surveying macro brews, right? You're you're just your cheap beers that advertise like drink it really cold, because anybody who cooks or knows anything about food or drink, the colder it is, the less you can taste it. That's just actually like physically true. The colder it is, the less your taste buds will respond. So when they tell you drink it really cold, now that's a warning sign right there. But you know, you, I for my money. I, you know, and I look. I lived in St. Louis, Anheuser Bill, and Anheuser Busch, big piece of that town. But man, Budweiser's terrible. Budweiser's terrible, and they sell it in London. And I'm like, I mean, come on, really? Of all the things we're going to import, we're importing Budweiser. It's a huge brand. Sure, it is. It's not any good though. <laughs> that's yeah, that's probably but, true. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. So Miller. Champagne of beers. You're not down with champagne then? I mean, I don't think they taste the same. <laughs> no, they don't. Another drink that just not doing it. Nope. I mean, I, it's one of those that I could get it close to my mouth and then smell it. And I would just want to toss the drink is going to be anything with coconut. Um, any, any alcohol with coconut is just no thank you. I've had an experience with Parrot Bay. Um where there was too much in too little time and the end result was not a good one. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of those things you can just smell instantly. And I think if you've got a, a disdain for it, as soon as it's near you, you're just like, nope, walking away, not doing it, can't yeah. do it. So uh, well, that would probably you know, be at the top of my list. Very, very top. Well, and, and full disclosure, you've told me your coconut rum story before and I was... I was hoping it was going to make the list, and I'm sure you're not going to tell that story. But uh, I can understand why, based on your relation of that story, I can understand why you're not going to touch coconut rum again. Nope, never. And, and I am okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I would say, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Coconut rum has definitely got the uh, very, very distinctive taste and flavor, and it's uh, limited limited quantities, I think. Uh, if you want to, you know, use it sparingly. If, if, if you're making cocktails at home and something calls for coconut rum, don't say, let me add a little extra. That's always a bad idea. That's a good way to really make a bad drink, uh, I, I would say. But uh, And it's not any better coming back up. That's all I'll say. Oh, wow. I don't think we need... Very few things are, but uh, I don't well, think we needed true. that detail. Yeah. <laughs> I could go more. So, I, so you know, I'm a... I mean, you know, I've made it pretty clear. I'm a pretty equal opportunity drinker. You know, I mean, I I like beer. I drink less beer now than I, I used to. I also enjoy wine and champagne. Um, you know, whites, reds, sparkling. 
I, I'm down for all of it and liquor. I mean, you know, I, I know some people just really have an aversion to hard liquor, you know, whatever, or particular types. And, uh, you know, so I, there's not like a, a class of alcohol that I just rule out straight. And, and um, there have been very few things in my life that I've actually tasted and been like, uh-uh, nope. There was one, well, and, and I would say, like most people, I think, the black licorice taste is just kind of rough, right? And most people aren't thriving on anise, which is, you know, like a, which is uh, like fennel, right? Or anise, that, that flavor doesn't really resonate with a lot of people. Now, I would say for me, the grand caveat to that is absinthe, uh, which does have an anise flavor, but absinthe, if good absinthe used properly, is very good. But I, I would say two drinks, um, and and one of them has definitely that anise flavor, and that is Sambuca. And I've only tasted this just recently. Actually, we, I was it was in a pub here in London, and we were out drinking, and and I and I was already several pints in, so I can't say that my taste buds were like you know at their fullest and i was really and but anyway a guy went and got a round uh, of, of of beers and then also brought a shot of sambuca and we took a shot of sambuca and i don't think i'll do that again because that was no but you had I to experience it. it now you know i had to experience it and now i know and uh but yeah now that was not great and uh you know maybe in another setting that would work um and the other one is also a shot uh, that I had, and I, you were you were at this one too, Dustin. You were involved with the shot, if you remember. Uh, it might have actually been that same parents' weekend, but we went to the uh, the cowboy bar down in in, in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, the, and, the country uh, bar. The of the country bar. What? Yeah, whatever that was. And uh, I'm out of my element to say the least in that in that setting, but. I'm there, I take my, my daughter, and you were there, and we had a group of her friends, and I was like, drinks are on me. My daughter was like, oh, all right. So she was pretty fired up. So she's yeah, like- that, that was a, I mean, you don't say that, but I mean, to be fair, you had had a few, but. Well, anyway, yeah, but, so I was like, so she's like, well, let's start with a shot of Rumblements. And I was like, <sighs> oh, okay. I'm like, what's Rumblements? <laughs> and I now know what Rumblements is. And I'm just going to say, I, I will try to never taste Rumplemints again in my life. I, I don't even, I don't really have words to describe what that, and I don't know what it's supposed to taste like, but, um, toothpaste? it's like battery, battery acid. Yeah, toothpaste, yeah, like bad, bad toothpaste. It was not, I was like, why? Well, and I knew what it was, and I was like, hey, everybody else, like, I'll, I'll go along with Nick on that one for sure. Um... It, it it's a tough one i thought you were gonna go when you said black licorice i thought you were gonna go the jägermeister route you know i don't even know if i've really had jägermeister i mean i've seen uh, it all over the place but I, I i can't remember drinking it um and i know it's one i mean like the jäger bomb right is kind of a, a classic drink but i never had one right so um I, I don't know that i've ever actually tasted one i will say some slightly more mainstream stuff uh i tasted mezcal and i don't really like mezcal um, it's smoky tequila, right? And hmm. I don't love tequila. I mean, you know, I you know I was drinking it last time, and a good tequila can be good, and a margarita is good, and it's tequila is kind of toward the bottom of my you know go to drinks, like you know. Um, but uh, yeah, mezcal I don't love, and the, and the other one I really don't like much, just sort of in general, 
is uh, honey whiskey, right? Like uh, Jack Daniels, American honey, or, um, oh, there's another one that I've, I've had. And like mixed in things, it works pretty well. But, uh, but yeah, the, I don't really, the honey whiskey thing doesn't, doesn't work well for me. I don't know. Hmm. So. All right. It's, I, I think it's that. okay, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I mean, Karen would sip it in the wintertime, you know, occasionally. She'd be like, oh, that's nice. And, but I don't know. Yeah, the, the honey thing doesn't, doesn't work too well for me. But I, I, will, I will say this much. I one time actually tried to make a cocktail, and I, I, I put honey in the cocktail shaker. And that was a really bad idea because if you know what happens to honey when you freeze it, <laughs> it basically turns into honey rocks. <laughs> and and we'll, it turns into like caramel. And so suffice to say, it took a while to clean my shaker after um, after putting honey in there. So that was a bad idea. So again, those of you trying to mix a drink at home and you're like, hey, I wonder what honey would do in a shaker. I'll tell you, it will turn into a, a clump of nothing hard that will not flavor your drink and it will be really hard to clean. So there you go. There you go. Well, we're going to continue the disdain segment, though, and we're going to move it off of drinking to the other part of this podcast, and certainly the major part of the podcast, but that's sports, right? And so we're going to do the D4 top four of athletes, or maybe just sporting figures. I don't know who you've chosen, so I don't know if you went all athletes, because there were some other some other thoughts in my mind around around this, like some, well, in particular, announcers that that came to mind right. and as we were going and I didn't here. necessarily say athletes because one of mine is they're athletes but I'll just I'll leave it at that for now and I've got a few yeah. honorable mentions as well um Ooh. so yeah. so I'm I'll hit us off with I'll just start with my honorable mentions and then I'll pass it off to you so I've got three yeah. honorable mentions okay um number number one uh for the honorable mentions is LeBron James just oh, okay. I am I am not a yeah. LeBron James guy. Um, I think he's a big baby. Uh, I think he he has done well in moments to shine, but I think he has also shied away from it as well. Um, but I think I just I'm I'm not a LeBron guy. Number two is. I am not a fan of, and the, and this may offend a lot of people where you live, um, Andy Murray. I am not oh. an Andy Murray guy by any means. I remember at one point in time you had the big four in tennis, um, and then it quickly became the big three uh, because Andy Murray did not pan out the way everybody, I guess, thought he would. He was still a good player. I just didn't like him. I didn't yeah. like his attitude. I didn't like uh, basically anything about him. My final one is not an athlete, but Mel Kuyper Jr. I am Todd, not Todd, a fan of Todd, Mel. Todd, Todd. <laughs> Man, he has made a living off of college football and analyzing and talking about the draft and whatever it is. I don't know if he really knows what he's talking about. It doesn't matter though because it doesn't matter. People listen. People will listen, and he'll get to the draft night, and they'll do everything opposite of what he said. And he's like, "I had that down." You're like, "No, you didn't." No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's one of the ones where Frank Caliendo's impression of Mel Kiper is maybe better than Mel Kiper himself. <laughs> right. I I mean I can't stand the guy. 
But the thing is, I'll still listen. You know, <laughs> it's one of those. It's it's like a train wreck. You just you got to watch yeah. it. It's, you know, and it's one of the amazing things about the NFL and how they have managed to turn the draft into a spectacle. It's it's amazing, frankly. Um, but well, all right. Let, let me throw out a few of my um, my honorable mentions. And <clears throat> here's the thing: I started doing this, and the reality is, there's really very few players that I really hate. You know, there's guys I don't like much. But I don't tend to have a lot of strong, visceral, negative reaction to a lot of guys. Right, right. But, um, and, and you know, in this category, as just being a Red Sox fan, I just got to put Derek Jeter in there, you know. And, I mean, Jeter was a good player and, and a nice guy. Frankly, too nice. That's probably the problem. He's just too dang nice. Like, stop. And he just, he looked 19 his whole career, you know. He looked young, baby face guy, and... The freaking Yankees. But, you know, 2004 great, great fixed at what all he that. did. 2004 fixed all that. So, you know, I, I, you know I, 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 there's a limited degree of hate on that one. And I would go, and this is where I kind of had, uh, you know, the announcer thing. But, like, Joe Theismann as an announcer. Now, I would say Joe Theismann as an announcer would genuinely, like, stir up some visceral emotions. Like, this guy was so bad and would not stop talking. When he first was in, I've never heard an announcer talk quite that much. But and then then, you know, then that kind of got me started thinking about other announcers. Matt Millen. Ooh, boy, Matt Millen was a bad announcer um, as well. Booger McFarland. Oh, I forgot about Booger. Oh, baby. Booger yeah, that's a bad. rough one. Yeah. Do you remember him on that? I don't know what that machine was, but it had the yeah, wheels the and it had him was... going down the sidelines. Gosh, that was rough. Funny, but rough. Um, and then two others, Tim McCarver. Um, oh, Tim McCarver. And he was a, a Cardinals guy. And, um, oh, he was painful to listen to. Painful, painful mm-hmm. to listen to. Just just said bad. And another one, and this one will make me enemies in St. Louis. I actually said this one time in the in the teacher's lounge when I was teaching school. But Are you going Joe Buck? Buck? Jack, Jack Buck. Buck. All right, all right. And, and the dude's a legend in St. Louis. Legend. Legend. And it's, I, 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 you know, and I only heard him at the end of his career, so I'll give you that. But I go back and I'm like, I don't know what people loved about this guy, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. So anyway, those are my honorable mentions. But let, let me let me lead off then with my number four. Okay. And uh, I, boy, I don't know. I, I kind of I'm gonna group these because I technically have five, but I'm my number four would be uh, Kevin McHale. And the 80s Celtics broadly, right? Kevin McHale was just like great basketball player, but just big, gumpy, mean, whiny white guy on the basketball court, you know, and aggressive and would get physical, but just he stood with his shoulders so far back. I don't know if you remember that about him, but his posture and he just kind of walked around with his chest out. And I was just like, man, that guy. Get that guy off the court. I don't want to watch that guy play anymore. Kevin McHale. And I, mean, I love Larry Bird. Uh, although, I mean, I was a Lakers. I was a fan of the 80s Lakers, so I had to hate the 80s Celtics. But <laughs> Bird was just so good, right? But McHale was just, oh, I don't know. More than Lambeer, huh? Well, I was I, I was thinking about that, but I, I don't have as many negative, you know, th- thoughts. I mean, I saw Fair a enough. clip of Lambeer <laughs> this week. Beat, no, I think I sent it to you. 
Lambeer beating up Larry Bird. And, oh, yeah. But see, I, I kind of loved that. I kind of loved the bad boys thing just because it was just like, these guys are like linebackers, you know, playing basketball. So and clothesline, yeah. Oh, terrible. Often. A daily. Game, every game. Yeah. All right. Give me your four. You go four and three. So, so my four, you're not going to like this. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I get it. I get it. One of the main reasons is because you're such a Tom Brady guy. Well, I have, you know, kind of veered my disdain for him based off of that. Um, But at the same time, I have other friends, too, that were huge Tom Brady guys. And I'm just like, oh, come on. You know, Brady's not everything that y'all are making him out to be. Well, he might be, but yeah, he might be. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think it was one of those. I had people around me that liked him so much that I'm just, I just turned the other direction and had to go the, I don't like Brady route, and so because I hung on to that for so long, um, and I can sit here and say, I know he's a good player. Yeah, doesn't mean I have to like him. Nope. Mm-mm. So that's I why I put. I get it. That's why I put Brady at number four. I get right. it. So who's your number three? Number three is Deion Sanders. Ooh, yeah. I he's do my, not. He's like, on my list too. He's on he my is, list. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Deion Sanders, man, that guy loves him some Deion Sanders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a player, now as a coach. Everything about him, and he is definitely, to me, he's one of those guys, you either love him or you hate him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys that love him just love him, want to see him succeed, do it. And I don't want to see him, you know, get hurt or sick or whatever, but I would love to see every Colorado lose every single game. Um, that, that last game against Stanford, man, that was great. That was yeah. great. Um, yeah. So, Deion see, Sanders I, is my number three. I have... I have a little more – okay, so to be 100% full disclosure, he was my number one. He okay. and Dion and Michael Irvin, I, I have them grouped together because I see them as two sides of the same coin, just the arrogant, brash, you know – Very much so. Just bad sports, rub it in your face, hot dog, you know, but great players, right? And, and you know, I mean, nobody hates – Nobody hates Calvin Johnson, right? He was maybe the best receiver ever, right? But nobody hates him. And now, granted, he didn't have the same personality. But you don't hate guys who don't win, right? Had these guys not won, you'd have been just like, eh. You know, number one, they couldn't have been that. You know, they'd have been Antonio Brown, right? Who who was just sort of a sideshow, right? They would have turned just into a sideshow. Yeah, but I actually like Dion a little better as a coach, um, just because. I like the fact that he can motivate these guys and can turn a program around, right? I mean, you know, I don't agree with everything he's doing, and there's still too much hot dogging and showboating, but, yeah, boy, yeah, Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin together, to me, two sides of the same coin when they were playing, played at the same era, and I just, ugh. I just, I, I wanted to see somebody level them. I did. I wanted to see them go out of every game. I hate, I hate to Hard say Hard to. It, yeah, got me. So, okay, so, th- so I'm going to back up then my next one. Serena Williams. Serena Williams. Oh, and Serena. 
I mean, look, great tennis player, but there's so many things about Serena Williams that that drive me over the edge. Um, and especially to the end of her career, just the unbelievable drama on the court, the, the ultimate drama queen moments every single match, let alone the whole threatening to basically kill a girl, the line judge that got her disqualified, which she totally That was deserved. the big one for me was the Absolutely. line judge one. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing there? But, yeah, I boy, Serena... And, and again, I'm not taking anything away from her greatness, but I just, I would have watched, I wanted to watch anybody besides Serena Williams playing tennis. And, and I, I don't know. That was, that's, she's, she's definitely solidly on my list. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Who you got? So for me, number two, the next one, I'm going to go just an entire team. Ooh. Yep, an entire team. The San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> I can't stand them. Yeah. The thing is with the Spurs, if I wasn't a Suns fan, mm. I would be a Spurs fan. And I know this. Hmm. Okay. But I can't stand them. One, because they yeah. beat the Suns every time. Even when the Suns had the opportunity to get to the NBA Finals, when yeah. Robert Ory throwing Steve Nash into the scoring table and Amari Stoudemire stepping off the bench, whatever, right? I'm not bitter. But <laughs> at the beginning of every year, I would tell my friends that were Spurs fans, I was like, I would I would be okay if Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan all tore their ACL in the first game of the season. They can come back from it. <laughs> They're not their their livelihood isn't at stake, yeah. but I'd be okay if they had to go have season ending injury. Perfectly sure. fine with it. Manu Ginobili, oh that guy, he was the <laughs> Suns killer man. I mean, just crafty lefty, couldn't stop him. He was I don't know wiggly in the lane. You could I don't it was just Tim Duncan, the big fundamental guy that I love the fundamental part of basketball, but just can't stand him as a spur. Um, well, and so. the, the, the thing about the Spurs, and I, I, I'm, I'm, they don't rise to the level of hatred for me, but I, I never liked the Spurs. But the, all of the, I mean, like David Robinson and Tim Duncan, you can't get like nicer humans than David Robinson and Tim Duncan, really. I, you know, Tony Parker, also great guy. I mean, the, they, they don't have villains. I mean, it was, you know, you look at, you mentioned, you know, Lambeer and, you know, the bad boys of the Pistons in the 80s. They were easily detestable. But, yeah. no. Oh, I, the, Spurs the Spurs are detestable. <laughs> Bruce I, Bowen, can't stand the I, guy. I, I Dirty player. That. I sense No. That. All right. Yeah. All right. No, don't want anything to do with the Spurs. All right. All right. Well, then give me your number one. Number one. If it's worse time, than that, if it's worse than that kind of fire you just spit, I don't want to know, but go ahead, give it to me. Yeah, this one will never change. This will always be my number one. And it is going to su probably surprise you because he was an Oakland A and a St. Louis Cardinal. <laughs> Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire. My most hated athlete in the world. Huh. And it's a personal story. It, yeah. it has nothing to do with his play, the steroid use that he had, the home runs with Sosa, all that stuff, right? Yeah. 
When I was a kid, Dad took me to an A's game early. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. So early that, you know, they're still in the in the batting cage, hitting BP. Um, guys are out signing autographs. And I walked down to the front area where you had the little brick um, leaning over. Everybody's leaning over with their pens, Sharpies, paper, all that stuff. Um, and I was a huge A's fan at the time. I mean, huge. You had Conseco, which a lot of people didn't like. But Conseco, McGuire, Dave Henderson, Dave Stewart. Um, you, yeah, the, Dennis great Eckersley, great oh yeah, Steinbach, I could keep going, but I was a big McGuire fan and we get down there. I'm at the level where he's signing things and he's coming down the row and he signs the kids next to me, right? He looks at me and then just turns around and walks off. <laughs> I was the next kid in line <laughs> To get nope. there, something signed, right? I don't remember if it was a piece of paper or my glove or whatever, because I knew I had my glove. Um, and it was one of those things, you know, looking back, I know that there is a point for any athlete that they have to stop and go back to do their job. I get it. Do that to the kid next to me. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> you got the snow. Don't. Don't look at me and then turn around and walk off. <laughs> like sign it and then walk off, right? Don't turn and just, look. Or yeah, or just don't even make eye contact. Sign the next guy and now, now I'm done. But that, that's what I'm saying though. He turned, looked at me, I looked at him. He signed and you up. at at that time he was my favorite player and then quickly became my least favorite player. Nice. So, yeah, McGuire. Nice. Number one. Nice. All right, my number one. And uh, I, let, let me ask, you have any guess? Huh. I've talked Your about him before one. on the show. Not on this show, um, but... In, in just our, in, in general? Our, yeah. Ah. Right, we're going long here. Joe Mon. Montana, Joe Montana, Joe Montana, and and I'm gonna throw Roger Craig in there too, just because he ran with those stupid high knees. But <laughs> Joe, Joe freaking Montana, I, you know. Again, we talked about growing up, you know, Raiders fan in the '80s with the Niners across the bay. Doggone it, that guy. And then, and, and, to, and to make matters worse, my best friend growing up, Roy, Roy Niles, his uncle. Is Mike Holmgren, right? That's a name. Was the, yeah. I mean, the quarterback's coach for the Niners and then offensive coordinator. I mean, he, you know, and he's quarterback guru. I mean, he made Steve Young at BYU. He made Barry Bosco at BYU. He made Brett Favre. He made Montana. He made Steve Young in the NFL. He made uh, Hasselbeck into a Super Bowl quarterback, right? Right. Uh, so, I mean, I even had the connection and – my goodness, did I just despise everything about the 49ers. That stupid West Coast offense, that dink and dunk. Throw one more screen pass to Roger Craig. I dare you, because I'm coming out of the stands, and I'm going to assault the guy on the field. That's how I felt. That was the level. Man, I just, great player. I will never dispute Montana's greatness. 
I will never dispute, you know, Bill Walsh's genius and the, the, the importance of the West Coast offense for football and, and all that. But my goodness that I hate to watch the 49ers play. And I understand. I, I, I know how you feel. I mean. Yeah, well, that's your Brady. I mean, that's your Brady. Well, and, and my Spurs. Yeah. Like, you know, go ahead. Do another pick and roll where Tim Duncan hits it off the backboard because that's why the backboard's there. Do it. Score 32 and 12. I dare you. Yeah. And he would. So I get it. I yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Why do we do this segment? Now I'm just like riled up. Ugh, yeah, now try to go to bed. Yeah, right. Well, I got a few Bring hours. Bring some yet, coffee. But- Oh, okay. Good idea. Down and dirty. Down and dirty disdain for the drink and for the athletes. Man. D4. All right, Dustin, let's wrap this show up. Time to take the last call. You and your sparkling water and coffee. What's your last call for the show? All right. My last call, we haven't talked about it at all this episode, um, which is okay. But we've got the baseball playoffs. Uh, We've got the Mm -hmm. the NLCS and the ALCS going on right now. Um, Rangers go into Houston, win two. That's hard to, to win two. And I understand winning one on the road, getting to go back home. But they won two. The kicker, the Astros are really good on the road. It's, I don't know if they have a better record on the road, but they've done really well on the road. But the Rangers haven't lost a game this postseason. And now they're going home up 2 nothing. could potentially sweep Houston. This is a huge series just for Texas in general. Sure. Um, everybody here is a Rangers fan. My family, uh, my wife, my brother-in-law, his kids, all that, they're diehard Astros fans from Houston. So I'm just kind of sitting back watching like the Cardinals are, um, watching from home. Yeah, I know, I did it. Um, and, and I'm interested to see to see how that, that pans out. Um, we got some good pitching. And I mean, I even think Verlander pitched a great game against mm-hmm. them in the first game. But, you know, you got to have run support, and the Astros didn't do that at all. Um, and then, then the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Um, Diamondbacks is a team you don't really hear of very much anymore. I mean, I know they won it back in the early two thousands. <laughs> Maybe in Phoenix you do. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. But back back in the early two thousands, when with Luis Gonzalez and Randy Johnson, they they were good. But yeah. you haven't really heard about them much since. Um, going against kind of a juggernaut right now in the Phillies. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, moving forward, so yeah. Well, I'm going to give you a, a last call. I'm going to stay with baseball, but I'm going to go. I'm going to do a little more D4 angle. And this is something that I stumbled across, um, and, and this goes all the way back to 1992. <clears throat> 1992, the Toronto Blue Jays are doing Fan Appreciation Day, right? So they have all different sorts of things going on. Uh, you know, for for the fans, and they're giving away all sorts of things, and they're doing all these raffles and stuff. And then all of a sudden, they come out and they're like, "And the next item up for raffle is a Jeep." 
a fully loaded Jeep. Like a like a back in the day, I don't know what, what it was a Wrangler, Cherokee. But it is Derek Bell, who was a member of the team, it was it was his Jeep. This completely incredibly slammed out fantastic loaded Jeep that Joe Carter, <laughs> his teammate, had rigged to put up for auction. And so <laughs> they come and they're like, you can win this Jeep. And it comes driving out of the outfield and they shut, they cut to Derek Bell sitting in the dugout going, well, that's my car. And Joe Carter is actually driving it out onto the field, <laughs> waves to Derek Bell from, from the sidelines. And obviously it was a prank and it was a joke, but uh, that's, that's uh, kind of awesome. That's really awesome. That's really awesome because, like, he was, I mean, literally the guys just sitting there going, like, dude, my car. You're driving my You're going to give my car away. And he had no idea what was going on. Yeah, so Joe Carter executes one of the uh, one of the great pranks of all time in baseball on Fan Appreciation Day in 1992. And I felt that is a pretty good D4 story. Not, not any booze involved that we know of, but maybe after the fact, I'm guessing that Joe Carter probably at least bought Derek Bell a drink just for yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, the things you can think of in a 162-game season. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Man, the stuff that you – I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it still does. But the stuff that goes on in, in Major League bullpens is the stuff of legend and uh, crazy stuff. Almost yeah. almost as exciting, Dustin, as what goes on in the life of the D4 listener. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. 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 Couldn't get better. And And listeners, it's all about you. We thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify or Podbean or we're on we're on Amazon too. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love doing the show. We're having a great time doing it. We're doing our best to get the word out. Hope you would do the same. Leave us a like. Leave us a review. Share it on social media. Let's get as many uh, as many new D4 listeners as possible. And I want to give a shout out to one confirmed new listener from this week. A friend of mine from college, Mike Falls, sent a nice little comment to me on social media. Thanks, Mike. Uh, maybe we'll maybe you, we'll get you on the show. Maybe I mean you know at this point, you know Mike is a sports guy. I will I know, I know that much about him. So uh, so maybe maybe we'll bring Mike on. But uh, Dustin, final thoughts? Uh, no, just appreciate everybody listening. Um, like Nick said or or Don said, hope we can get that word out um, just to keep it going. We do enjoy this. We talk about sports whether we're on here or not. Uh, this just gives yeah. us a different avenue, and and we appreciate uh, your time and that you take to. To listen to us just ramble so until next week episode 13 coming at you next week this is episode 12 down and dirty with drink this day on d4 sports d4 sports is brought to you by don and dustin and by our sponsors, sports and day drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.